are listening to Spirits, Oddities, and Mysteries. Because no good podcast starts with a salad. Hello, lover. Hello, darling. Welcome back, guys. How's it going? All right. So so here's the thing. I know I might have said this once uh, or twice maybe. before, but this is quite literally my favorite episode yet. My topic is a culmination of essentially everything bizarre that I have talked about since this show began. That's pretty impressive. You would think... That it was an intentional, like, by design structure that has all led... Oh, it, it totally was, right? To this yeah, point. Yeah, I'm going to go with that, it. but yeah. Yeah, because we put that... That much foresight into the creation exactly. of this episode specifically, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think it might just be all the things that I'm interested in coming together, but <laughs> you'll see what we're talking nice. about. That's exciting. I can't wait to get to it. Until then... What do you have for us? Do you have any uh, pre-topics for us? Um, pre-topics wise, um, I do want to introduce our spirit this week. For sure. I'm pretty excited for Christmas. I got a bunch of shooters from my lover who is amazing. Bunch of different things that we could try without having to commit to a whole bottle because they're a little unique. They know. are. <laughs> this one is very unique. It is called Vodkila. It is vodka and tequila. And it's made by Red Eye Louise. And that's about all the little shooter bottle has to say about it. <laughs> that's little... the only downside of the shooters. <laughs> they don't have the whole story on them. But it vodka tequila. I mean. I'm intrigued. Do I put it with tomato juice? Do I put it with, I guess, tequila can go in tomato juice and vodka. So that... I've never done tequila with tomato juice. Is yeah. that like a Mexican Bloody Mary or what? Uh, well, I guess a Clamata has beer in it. Right. So That's maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Well, let, let's give it a know. try. I'm not sure what to put it in, but we're going to do a little shooter here. Yeah. So uh, cheers. Cheers, my love. Oh, that is that is unique. Ooh, it does have a bite, though. It's, it's definitely got a bite. Uh, it, it it tastes like both. I don't, I don't know that it necessarily <laughs> blended. It's almost, in my opinion, it's kind of nutty, like an almond. I don't know, because I just ate espresso beans so i have that in my I mouth i did too shoot <laughs> that might have something to do with it but, but does it does it taste almondy to you I, I do taste a hint of almond and i eat a lot of raw that almonds might be because on the regular? you said that though i don't know that i would have came to that conclusion on my own mm. no it's definitely like an almond flavor like raw almond not like a toasted it's like a raw almond i'll I'll try a little bit i didn't do the whole thing i'll try some later and see if i still get that i've also got a bloody mary made by my amazing wife and uh, i do love to make people bloody marys as backup a moscow mule you know because 
This probably- These are an interesting combination <laughs> of liquors, by the way. Well, it's all vodka. I guess. It's uh, different creative ways to use vodka when you're out of uh, cranberry juice, which is kind of my go-to. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, the only other thing I had to say was our Catch Killer box was bomb. That was totally in our room with us right now. I it's know. our murder board. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and legitimately, you get like string and the whole, you know, uh, thumbtacks. and tacks and put everything up and tie everything together. We didn't, we didn't get to the string. We did pretty dang good with the first box. It's a six box series that you'll eventually find the murder. Right now, you just have to eliminate suspects. But uh, it was a lot of fun. It was About a three good hours little, yeah, a like good a date night. We sat together and really worked on it. We are not sponsored by them, but yeah. hey, <laughs> if you want to sponsor us, it's awesome. Hey, go to the Morbid <laughs> Girls. They got the, the sponsor over yeah, there. Yeah, they do. Yes. And they got their little We'll promo. give them credit for that. If you're going to get the murder box, go with them. I, I don't know what their actual thing is, but if you listen to their show at all, you'll get it. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll tell you their code, but it is uh, a lot of fun. That's how we heard about it, and we really enjoyed our first box. Well, I, I won't uh, give them too much credit because I had heard about it a, a while ago, but they definitely inspired me to get it for Christmas for you. Because I kept hearing about it over and over and over. And uh, while I kept seeing it come up in my Facebook, I was like, no, nah, this sounds like it would be a lot of fun. And uh, I wanted to go ahead and get them credit. So I, I went and ordered it. Very nice. Well, I had never heard of it besides Morbid. So it was an eye opener for me. But I guess we can jump right in because I can oh, talk about yeah. the, the box I, for Yeah, we can definitely but... <laughs> go. We don't want to ruin it for anybody either, though. Because exactly. they send, there's like different series. And if you get the same series as us, I wouldn't spoil it. So, uh, But yeah, so I definitely am excited about this week, my topic. I stumbled upon it out of the blue and it worked out very well because, you know, I was, I was trying to get inspiration for my art. I've been uh, trying to get back into my painting and my uh, creating. And while I was watching those videos, apparently my, my YouTube, you know, it's just specified to each specific person as they watch their videos and like and follow and do all their fun stuff. Well, apparently when you like art videos and tutorials and you also like and follow people talking about morbid shit (laughs) they give you awesome suggestions that lead you down the perfect path for what is it i can't wait i looked into haunted art art that carries curses or is haunted that sounds awesome and definitely so you (laughs) so when i you know when i first saw the topic and kind of like well when i brought the topic together i should say because i didn't see the topic because there was no nobody typed it up for me so when it came to me and i was super excited i was putting this together my main questions were kind of like can art actually carry a curse? Like, you know, I suppose a lot of things in, you know, weirder things have been haunted. So it kind of made sense. I mean, with the amount of passion people put into art. Right. I I definitely could understand why art could potentially carry with it a curse or a haunting or... Definitely. I I feel like any art that is specifically created with intention definitely carries the energy of the person who created it. Right. And if like, if they pass on and they really were passionate about a specific piece of art, something they dedicated time and energy into, 
especially our dog is really, really trying to get comfortable over here. Uh, <laughs> that blanket just isn't working for him. Especially if it's unfinished artwork. If you think yeah, about the whole like yeah, unfinished, like unfinished thing. business and all yeah. that. Oh, so that go. might have something to do with it. Who knows? All right. Well, it's not like anybody really knows what causes right, those yeah, to exist. Exactly. <laughs> it's not a perfect science yet. But so then I looked into it and I was like, well, the colors and the images, can they actually, you know, well, no, they can change someone's attitude or the way that they feel. Because what do we do? We, we were walking down the aisle at the store or at an art gallery or wherever you might be and you see something and you're like, oh, it my gosh, you. Yeah. that bowl of fruit must be in my kitchen because <laughs> you know what? That painting makes me happy. And, you know, it It doesn't matter what it is, if it's a, a Zen painting or some random, strange elephant, you know, like an elephant holding a balloon. It just makes you feel good. That so speaks you, to my soul. Does it? Can we get that? I will paint it for you. Yes. <laughs> well. Can it be a red balloon? That's what I pictured when I said that, actually. That's good. So, hey, we're, go we're doing good. We're, they're psychically connected. Is he sitting down? The dog? The elephant. Oh. <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> yes. With his little arms kind of up a little bit. That's what I was thinking, yeah. And he's holding a little balloon. Can he also be holding a martini? I might be able to work that out. Okay. A skull cup, though. A skull martini glass like ours? You don't ask for much. I know. <laughs> yeah. I would also like him to have a bandana on. A bandana? Yeah, and like a biker vest. I see it. All right. All right. I'll, I'll add more later. Thanks. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Well, this is definitely going to happen now because uh, it's got to go up on the Facebook. Oh, definitely. <laughs> It'll be interesting. Well, uh, so I was thinking about, obviously, that the art can can change our moods by, by whatever it is when it's hanging. And we all know that some art is super easy to interpret. When you look at it, you're like, it's a happy painting. And some of them are just chaotic and irrational and... At the same time, when you're looking at it thinking this is chaotic and irrational, someone else can walk up next to you and be like, I totally get it. And they will pull a completely different, absolute, from the left field meaning from it that you just don't see. And it's crazy to me all the different perspectives that can be taken out of a single thing. And on top of that, the artist has their own yes. interpretation <laughs> of what it is, and you could be totally in the field. I was just going to say, this is why I loved and hated art growing up. Like when I was in school and they were teaching about artists, they would have these like in-depth, you know, critiques of these famous artists work and they would be telling you all of these meanings and all that. I'm like, how do you know that's what they meant? You don't know that. I don't care if you're like, this is my interpretation, but when you teach it as fact, that drove me nuts. They did the same thing well, with poetry. They, it, I mean, art um, and artists, what are they expressing? A lot of times, depending on the time period, it's easier to pick out what they're doing because certain time periods, these certain styles were, they are just depicting a moment in time. They are just, you know, specific. So says the people that are interpreting what was I on suppose. the paper. It drives me up. Okay, okay. Like, I can understand that we, we have a solid theory forming based on other artists and, and maybe some documents about other pieces of art. But unless that artist wrote down in a book, this is what I was saying. Fair enough. I call BS that we know exactly what was being Fair said. Fair enough. But, uh, well, okay. So, 
this is actually leads me to my point that this is what I love about art is that it's absolute open to interpretation. And which is why I once again love art. Yes. I love the fact that I could do splash color or Mod Podge on top of it and just put like a doily on it and just do whatever. Or you could just put a blank canvas and put a lima bean on it and you're like, art. No, no, no. That's what I hate about art again. <laughs> that freaking jag off that made a giant blue board with a white line going down the center hey, that sold it for a billion dollars. You know what? Oh. He's doing something right. No, he's not. He has a name. That's what bothers me is when you All just right. are buying the name. All right. Well, <laughs> anyways, he sold a stripe for a billion dollars. So really, uh, right. really? Well, you know what? You know what? Good for him. I, I guess. <laughs> well, anyways. With these options that we have being seemingly limitless, the fact that paintings could be malevolent or, you know, actually affect a person is is what I dove into this week. I can't wait. So what I I was looking into and I found kind of like broke my brain because a lot of the curse art actually revolved around real life situations that I know of. And they were topics that I'm going to cover in the future. So it was like a passion for true crime. And my passion for art really just came together for this. So See, your stuff all came together too. It really this did. Well. It was really exciting. So the first art portrait painting that I would like to cover is Madame... La Lore. Ooh. Do you know who this is? I, of course, do not. No? No. (laughs) Okay. I do not know art. Well, uh, Daphne. From Scooby-Doo. No. Damn it. Madame La Lore was a highly respected socialite woman from New Orleans, Louisiana. She, in the time, in 1830s, was a slave owner. However, she was an activist for treating her, uh, for people in general to have more respect for the slaves that worked in their quarters and to treat them better. She was well known for this. She was like Miss Hoity Toity and an activist at the same time. So like, you know, she was kind of snotty, but she was standing up for good things. So people were like, all right. Kind of. But all right. Well, like, yeah, she was, she was, uh, she was the sharpest spoon in the drawer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a great leap forward, but it was a tiny leap forward. This was, this is what, what, uh, what she presented. This is what progressive was. was exactly. She was progressive, but you know what? Not really. I'm not saying don't own people, but if you're going to own people, own people and be nice to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in 1834, the town found out that sadly this facade that she put on was the furthest from the truth that could actually be. Uh, The Lollery mansion caught on fire. (laughs) And as the neighbors came rushing to their aid, they wanted to make sure that everyone on the property, including her slaves, made it out safely. However, Madame Lollery refused to give anyone the keys to the basement where the slaves' quarters were. Uh. The neighbors and random people who were trying to help get everyone out of this raging fire would not accept this answer from her. Good. And they barged down the door to the basement. That's a good start. Only to be horrified at the seven 
malnourished, beaten, and mutilated slaves that she had been torturing in her torture chamber that she had in the basement. Wow. She went down as one of the most evil people in American history. You know, this kind of reminds me of our celebrities today that are up there <laughs> preaching off the pulpit <laughs> and have their own secret uh, evil things, things going yes. on in the background. Yeah, I, well, I get it. <laughs> needless to say, the people were absolutely outraged. And they not only let her house burn to the ground, but whatever was left, they helped in destroying. And I'm going to actually talk, talk about this whole thing in depth because it's it's insane. However, they rebuilt on the property by, by 1838, it was, a place on the same property. And in 1997, they decided that they were going to commission someone to paint a portrait of Madame Lorie. Okay. To hang in her once. You know, they do tours there and they're like, this is where the most <laughs> evil bitch crazy in bitch the entire was. world yeah. lived and All right. whatever. Well, in 1997, uh, Ricardo Pustanio uh, painted this. Not to be confused this. with pistachio. Yes, not, he's not a pistachio. But he uh, he was commissioned to paint this and they hung it in the building. Well, before the, the portrait was hung, it was, you know, just regular tours and all this. However, now the entire building has a dark feeling inside of it. And if you, well, many people report that if they even so much as look at the portrait... They feel that they have to vomit and they're dizzy. They feel Whoa, like they can faint. Oh, that's weird. And many people have reported that they have been scratched, leaving physical marks across their Ooh. body in the presence, which they never had any haunting issues, even though this was like a devastating, horrible place. I wonder how many people know that going in, that that's what other people experience. Yeah, and that how would many be just... really good. But I guess, how could you... <laughs> like, do you know about this before you walk in? Well, I guess it, you would have to it would, it ask would people about the painting ahead of time, not give them hard. any clues. It'd just be like, what do you know about this artist, this painting, this story? If they don't know anything about it, chances are they don't know that. I mean, if they're going to the mansion, they've got to know somewhat who she is. So that... Kind of negate, like... Yeah. Uh, well, that, that like, unfortunately, it could simply be a mind thing. Right. Looking at it from but, the uh, skeptical <laughs> side of me. But, yeah. Carry on. I mean, I'm intrigued. Uh, the physical scratches are interesting. Right. Especially if there's cameras set up to prove they're not doing it. And that's the thing. There's no, there's no video evidence <laughs> of this. They're just claims. So, the, the building never had any of these issues beforehand. And ever since the, the painting has been placed there, then, well, everybody's had a lot of issues. So, is it haunted because of the painting? Because or is it placebo? Is it placebo? Is I mean, there, there's a lot of questions here. But... Very, very interesting, though. Let's move on to my second work. Shall we? I don't know. Shall we? We shall. Okay. All right. Well... The next piece of work. You know what? Your hair looks a little red and blue, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I made a TikTok and I painted <laughs> my hair and now it's all different colors. Next up, you're going to actually know this one when I say it. You think so? Yeah. Are we betting on this? I am betting that you will 100% know exactly what I'm talking about when I say it. All right. Hogo the Clown, painted by John Wayne oh, Gacy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one does not surprise me that it's on it at all. <laughs> yeah. So that one didn't surprise me at all either. When I looked into it, we all know his heinous crimes that he's committed. I mean, 
torturing and killing a minimum of 33 men and boys. Yikes. This self-portrait as his alter ego, Pogo the Clown, was painted two weeks prior to his death while on death row. I wonder if he sent it to Jason Moss. He did not. No? No. If you guys don't know who that is, Jason Moss is an author that actually got to meet John Wayne Gacy. And I say that loosely. Is that actually (laughs) his pen name? Uh, I don't know if it's his pen name or not because there was a movie about the story that was not Jason Moss. It was like Justin Moss or something weird. But I mean, pretty close. Still. Yeah, it was it was something but, close. But yeah, he is a really, really good book. It's called The Last Victim. And for a project for school, he was actually writing to serial killers. One of my favorite books of all time. Read it back when I was in high school. I do want to read that book. The movie that they remade the book, it's bad that I've seen the movie and then I'm going to read the book. But no, I, would I do like, that all the time. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I am intrigued. I do want to read it. I know that our high school aged daughter is now currently in possession of the book. And I call dibs after her. Is it still here or did she take that with her somewhere? <laughs> I don't know. It might be in a backpack. I don't know. We'll, right, we'll, we'll have see. to figure it out. But the actual first owner of this one, he bought it directly from Gacy for $3,000. His name was Nicky Stone. He was a musician and he wanted this painting apparently. $3,000. I'm not going to lie. I, I kind of want one of his paintings as well. Well, wait Because we I have that finish. passion for uh, <laughs> yes. serial killers. But but wait until they finish, okay? I, I don't know if I you're want to make me want it more. No, I don't think so. So soon after he purchased this painting, he was plagued with bad luck. Nope, don't want it. Well, horrible things started happening, including his dog dying and his mother getting diagnosed with cancer. Do not want the painting? I didn't think you would. Yeah, no, I like ghosts. I don't like bad luck. Mm-hmm. Bad luck is bad. It's cursed. He quickly rid himself of the painting. However, he spent $3,000 on it, which is just not a small chunk of change. And, well, he asked a friend if they could hold on to it for him. Now, his friend immediately started having bad things happen to him and bad luck come his way and upon his neighbor who was also a close friend dying in a freak car accident he decided that he wanted to get rid of this cursed object as well yikes yeah so then they gave it to their other friend oh these guys are dicks (laughs) (laughs) you know just for storage not to hang on the wall burn it but the guy wanted to sell it for three thousand dollars and at least make his money back yeah no but nobody wanted to buy it I guess, yeah, I mean... But he didn't want it in his Cut house. your losses. Yeah, well... Keep giving it to your friends. Let them know. <laughs> At least choose an yikes. enemy. No, he gave it to his other friend. Once his other friend had it, he tried to commit suicide. Wow. So he quickly decided that he needed it out of his house as well. Well, they had a, a another friend, Sean McCorn. Corrin or McCorn, I'm not sure. Something along those lines. But he actually is the current owner still to this day. He has an art studio, a kaleidoscope tattoo and art. And the painting of Pogo the Clown, the original, is still at the museum. Now, he did have his run of bad luck, including his mother being murdered at age 58 in 1999. After he got the painting? After he got the painting. However, he claims that he does not blame the painting and that he does not believe in 
any of it. Oh, it's Nate. He's <laughs> <laughs> one of my but... best friends ever. He does not believe in luck whatsoever. <laughs> uh, we've had many a conversations over the years about these types of things, and he adamantly just refuses that luck or good or bad will affect you in these ways. I totally believe in luck, <laughs> personally. But to each is their own, I suppose. Uh, so the painting still is there, and he says he doesn't believe in any of the hoot natty that comes with it. It is also said, though, that the prints of the painting bring bad luck as well. A celebrity that is pretty well known owned a uh, print of it. What? Even the prints contain? What? And it was Johnny Depp. And he hung it in his house and he actually ended up getting rid of it because he said nobody would even like want to be around it. They didn't want anything to do with it. It was just a horrible art choice. And it was like, nope. I wouldn't consider that, that bad wasn't, luck. That, that wasn't bad luck. But it's like when I signed my four billion dollar <laughs> movie contract, my friends didn't like to be around the painting. I this think this painting was bad luck. painted by a horrible, crappy human being. Weird. But I don't know. Uh, I will say a lot of weird things kind of float around the pogo. The I kind of want a print of it just to mail to certain people. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that would not be nice. I believe in karma. I would not do that. Yeah. <laughs> well. So that's about that's about all I found in Poe the Clown. It kind of like stops real quick when it hits its final destination there. So he still has it. Yep. Still He's has still it. plagued with bad luck. He just, just pretends like it's not the painting. It's not the painting. Uh, I'm sure it brings in a crowd, though, for their studio. Yeah. You know. Without a doubt. I mean, he was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. more known than most of the other famous painters that are in his thing, but maybe not by the same crowd. <laughs> right. Uh, the next one that I, I found really confuses me. Because the painting is called The Crying Boy. It's by Gio. Oh, I know this one. You do? I do. The Crying Boy? Yeah. Yeah, carry on. Do you know about the weird happenings? I don't know. Oh. No, I probably not. But I know, right. the, I know the painting. So Giovanni uh, Bergevoin, something like that. I'm a horrible pronunciating. And because <laughs> I cannot pronunciate anything. But this one is super weird. And a lot of people have tried to debunk it, and I do see the debunking side, but I also see the super weird side as well. So the painting was created in the 1950s, and it was super popular, and everybody wanted it for their house, and they sold over 50,000 copies in the UK alone. However, I do not understand this, because at no point in my life do I want a picture of a crying child on my wall. Like, that's the entire painting yeah the reason you don't know how to pronounce his name is because he just kind of goes by giovanni that's that's the well giovanni is how i know yeah but that, of yeah, him that's the... yeah and and it's so strange like i don't want a sad child in my house i want my kids happy all the time i want to see happy children i i don't get why that painting was i mean i'm a uncultured passion swine, passion apparently. in that yeah, i don't know passion. i have no idea why Passion I don't want anybody from... else's child hanging on my wall whether he's crying or happy. Yeah, it's super weird. However, to each his own. <laughs> Eye of the beholder, I suppose. But... Is it to each his own or to each their own? Uh... I'm genuinely curious. I don't know. I'll check that out while you're doing this. <laughs> uh, the curse that comes along with this painting is if you own a copy of the painting and you hang it in your house, your house will burn down. What? Mm-hmm. 
in the 1980s. How's the painting still around? We'll check that. Well, it, they're copies of the painting. It's not the oh, original not painting. The original. No, right. this is all copies are cursed. This is both to each their own and to each his own. All right. Okay. All right. Well, in the 1980s, firefighters started to notice this weird trend that the houses that they were putting fires out in had the painting of the crying boy in it unscathed while everything else in the house was burnt. Well, then it would still continue to exist, even if it was the original. Yes. <laughs> and that's bizarre. However, how in the world did they come to that? Like, <laughs> I mean, they, Just because when they got there and they finished putting it all out. Like the same firemen? Yeah, in certain areas. Like they okay. were like, what is going on? Like every time I come to this, you know, to a fire and like the ship burns down, face down, unscathed is a painting of the crying boy started getting really weird or it was an arsonist who just put that in people's homes after he started their house on fire okay just checking yeah different uh uh, personal accounts of this happening would be obviously what i said people losing their homes to fire within about uh, several months of getting the picture a pizza parlor actually completely destroyed by fire all the art in the entire building was also destroyed. However, the crying boy painting was left intact. So I understand that people have like unique tastes in art, but you're running a business. You want people, your consumers, to be happy while they're in your building. I mean, if it's you're a, gonna hang a painting of a crying boy. Let's in think your... about it this way: it's an Italian pizza restaurant. And Giovanni's artwork is on the wall. He's got other art. Like, no, all like 80 pieces of his work are all just sad children. That is true. Yeah. So I think it's actually 60 something. But a the, large number yeah. of his painting. Yeah. that's. But so like that, that is strange. Also, another woman, she she tried to burn her copy of the painting and was unsuccessful. She accidentally lit her house on fire? No, she just had a, mm-hmm. a long string of bad luck after she unsuccessfully did this. Well, we're not buying art ever. <laughs> throwing that out there. I do not like the, like, see, I said cursed. It made more sense to be the cursed nature of paintings than the ghostly haunting. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I don't think that all art comes with a curse, though. I don't know. I'm, right, I'm just opposed to all art now. No. Unless you no. paint it. Unless you paint it. You can paint it. <laughs> We'll just hang our house full of your art. Enough people had this this weird thing happen to them where their houses were burning down or they knew a lot of people who had the same painting in their house when their houses burned down that they ended up having a mass bonfire to burn all of the copies of this painting. I would not be attending this part of this fire. Well, you know what? It took a long while, but they did get them to burn, but they were really just not wanting to burn the entire time they were doing it. it All right. One way that they've debunked this is that the lacquer that was put on all of the paintings was a fireproof lacquer. And the reason that all of the paintings that they found in the houses were unscathed and face down is because the string that held them on the wall was the only thing that burned and then it fell down. And all of the paintings. But what about were all the, the other way. art that burned? Wouldn't you think that they would have a fireproof lacquer on them too? And wasn't part? Oh no, most lacquer is very fire, <laughs> like <laughs> flammable. It's odd that that's a fireproof lacquer. But on the, on the flip side of that, part of this whole conspiracy is that homes are burning down because they have this painting. There's still an abnormally, uh, I'm assuming, abnormally large number of homes that are burning that happen to have this painting. Is the painting that widely popular that that's just... 
I mean, 50,000 in the UK alone in the like the year it was released is a lot of people going out trying to get this painting. So like, I mean, a, yeah, a lot of people that would, had that it. Would have a, that would debunk it. So okay, that, these, these are all debunking things. And I, I kind of dove in to try to find out why they said it was cursed. Because it's just a, a sad boy painting. That's what I want to know. What's the, what's the motive behind the curse? Is Giovanni a Wiccan? Well, Giovanni had nothing to do with the curse. Okay. It, it, all of the things blame it on on the, the boy who's in boy. there, <laughs> who's right. in the photo. Some Some theories say that... The the boy died in a fire, a fire in a car accident. I nailed it. After his portrait <laughs> was painted, another one says that the portraits are cursed because he accidentally set Wait, fire. When was this thing painted? Uh, they had cars. Yeah. Were they pulled by horses? No, you're kidding me. It was uh. I felt like Giovanni was much older. Giovanni was not that old. It was 1950s. We had cars. Oh, yeah. We definitely had cars then. We were talking about 1830s a second ago, and I don't remember when cars were invented, so. Fair enough. All right. We'll go with it. Uh, Let's see. Let me scroll back to my place. Here it is. Another thing is that he accidentally set his house on fire. He escaped. 1895. However... Oh, yeah. So there was 1893. Cars. Well, in America. But yeah. Carry on. Still, it would be impressed if those guys started on fire when they crashed. Uh, but no, so they, they said that he accidentally set the house on fire and his parents were killed. And then the guilt behind it was the motivation for the painting. And then his his guilt cursed all of the paintings that, that came from it. They're saying oh, like his the boy, residual I get energy it also, yeah. is cursing it. And one of the, the like biggest ones that I found was that it is the spirits of the children who were burned in the Holocaust. Yikes. I've used that word like four times so far this episode. Really? I keep saying yikes. I just noticed that. Oh, yikes. No. I was like, Holocaust? Really? Nope. I don't remember that coming up but at I all. But I was singing that song earlier yes. about... Handlebars. Yeah. Yes. The entire family joined Holocaust. in. Holocaust. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was fun. Oh, so uh, whether or not it's true that if you own this piece of art, uh, if it actually makes your house burn down or not, I personally will never own a copy of it. Me neither. No, no hell no. Where? Hell to the no art, period, <laughs> ever. I, I don't like that idea. I have books but... in this house right now that just have random artists in it that I've collected over the years. I'm hoping none of these paintings you're talking about are in that book. They're not. How do you know? Because I know... You really know that the random 45 art books... Art I mean, our book. one serial killer book might have the Pokemon Not Cloud that in one, it. but yeah, that one might too. And actually, there might be... Oh, yeah. He did not send it to Jason Moss, so it's not in his book. Yeah. But I have all these random books of artists oh, from Italy. We have so many random books. Yeah, this could... Like, I'm going to no. go through them and tear those pages out and burn them. Oh, wait, no. Don't burn them. <laughs> Mail them to MI Enemies. No. Uh, karma. It's a thing. I have one final Mail them randomly to somebody who I don't know who they are. Oh, my God. Why? Wait, is that? That's worse. That's worse. Like, well, how do I get rid of them? You can't burn them. Gandhi or some shit and die a million deaths of horrible karma. Chief <laughs> Louise. All right. I have one last painting that is um, the most. I think Gandhi's dead. I think so, too. I don't think I can send it to Gandhi. I don't think Maybe so. Maybe a descendant Mother of Gandhi, guess, but yeah. I don't know if he reproduced. 
I don't know, but I don't think so. I don't either. I think he spent all his time like spending 40 years in silence and shit. Like, hey, you know what? No eating. Uh, very malnourished. Don't know how well his sperm production was. Oh, my Lord. Here we go. <laughs> my final painting. Ooh. Which I, I will have to show you a picture of this one because I think this is the only one that you don't know what it looks like. Wait, I, I didn't know what the first one was. The first one? You've seen the portrait. I've showed it to you. Okay. You'll, I'll re-show it to you. But this one specifically is a disturbing. I like it so far. Paint. That's my favorite kind of art. <laughs> I know. But I could definitely see how it could make somebody feel uh, uneasy when they looked at it or give them Wait, is looking angst? at a picture on my iPad of the crying boy considered having the crying boy in our house? No. I hope not because I looked at a picture of it. No. Isn't that technically a reproduction? It's like a digital reproduction. I, suppose. I don't know how that works. I don't like it. I'm I don't glad like I it delete my search history there or something. There you go. All it's right. on my iPad forever now until I fill my iPad 35 times over so that it can no longer recreate that image. Now it's on there. Way to go. Well, it was already on my laptop, so... Crap. Mm. Well, the next one is the Anguished Man painting. We can get some and stage suppose... so we can pretend like that does something. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I suppose you can look that up then since you're looking What am I looking up? Anguished Man Painting. Anguished. Why does it sound familiar? It what? is freaky and I've seen it uh, before, but only because recently it has been brought to the forefront. Ooh. More so. Have you seen this? I don't know. It looks so familiar, but it also looks like it's the guy from that one movie that was like... Half fish, half man, and like they all said, it was the best movie ever. The Walrus. No, the the recent <laughs> that movie one was horrible. Where the chick like does it with the fish guy, and oh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, uh, one of those terrible movies. Something that they... underwater. Or... <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't think that was it, but yeah, I think everybody knows what we're talking about. Well, anyways. Uh, this one has the most uh, creepy backstory, to say the least. The owner, Sean Robinson, claims... Do I want this painting? Because right now I want this painting. Well, you can't get this painting, so now you want it even more. I do now, but I saw it on eBay. Yeah, that... We're going to touch on that in a okay. minute. Okay. All right. <laughs> so the owner of the painting, Sean Robinson, claims that the painting sat in his grandmother's attic for 25 years. She claimed that the art was made by a man who she knew who mixed his blood into the oil paints as he was making the painting, and shortly after its completion, he then killed himself. The painting sat in her attic for 25 years, and after the passing of her, uh, I'm sorry, of his grandmother, he then was the new caretaker of this piece. Since then... He stored the art in his basement. And anybody who's been to his house, including his family, like who lives there regularly, they see the dark, malevolent spirit of said painter. He stands at the foot of their bed. He stands in corners. People like see them. And then when they look, there's nothing actually there. But they see this dark spirit just looming around the house. I love it. Right? It's kind of crazy. Sounds amazing. Now... (laughs) He actually moved this painting into a bedroom in his house and he put a camera on it. I like it. And it shows, you know, the whole room. Now, obviously, it's a YouTube video. 
We don't know the full authenticity of how true all of everything on YouTube is true. Carry on. Okay. All right. All right. We're good. All right. Now, during these videos, we see everything from strange noises. The door to the bedroom is opening and shutting itself. However, it opens into the room, so you really can't tell if there's somebody on the other side or a string or anything. Does this guy sleep naked? Because this could get really awkward. No, no, no. It's in a bedroom, like not his not bedroom. Not his bedroom. No, not just a bedroom, a okay. bedroom in right. his house. So the, the door to the room is opening and closing by itself. Smoke literally appears and floats across the screen seemingly out of nowhere. Orbs also appear throughout the videos. Another thing that happens is the painting just falls over. In the middle of nothing happening. Like repeatedly? No, All of these things like, are happening repeatedly? No, these things have happened in the video that he's posted. Like, okay. Throughout it, I suppose. Now, the painting just is sitting up on a bed and it topples over. So maybe it just lost its balance or I don't know. Maybe the house shook. <laughs> I don't know. But if it's not a fake video... It probably is one of the most well-documented haunted artifacts on the earth. I'm pretty sure your eyes just did the reptilian thing you see in the YouTube videos of people that believe that aliens taken over the world in reptilian That'd form. That'd be really weird because I'm definitely part cat. No. Your eyes shut and then they looked like they shut <laughs> sideways and it was quite bizarre. Well, a little twinkle, you know, yeah. Whatever. I've always suspected she's an alien from a cat planet, but alien nonetheless. <laughs> Well, cats also have that side lid. Oh, that's true. That's true. Oh, actually, I don't think that's part of the reptilian thing. I can I confused the two. I, your eyes did the sideways thing, but I, well, maybe it is. I don't know. Either way, definitely happened. I wish I was recording this. <laughs> well, when we start doing our YouTube, you will have all of my weird blinky things going on. Well, anyways, back to the topic. With all of the weird things happening, it sounded in like the video, Doc from Back to the Future. Twenty-one point five. <laughs> Yeah. Somebody's going to email us and be like, actually, the number is. Yeah. <laughs> I just made that up. but I believed you. Oh, thanks. Uh, he, Back to everything on YouTube being true. Everything on YouTube being true. Uh, he posted don't the tell video. Your grandpa. And, oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, he still refuses to sell this painting to anyone and he has had quite the high you know offers for his his painting which adds credibility because he, he could make millions oh yes or fifteen hundred dollars which is what it says it's worth mm-hmm. well he well fifteen hundred uk whatever that is in america I guess. but i don't know how right. they know that because somebody might be like i'll give you one billion dollars well here's the thing he made it very clear that the sale of the picture that you see online on eBay is not the original because the original is locked away. He does not want the active spirit to go on to anyone and he refuses for their own safety to get rid of this painting. He actually directly emailed dreadcentral.com, which is where I got some of my research from, and told them, this is not the right painting. This is somebody just trying to do their, you know, replica and sell it as a haunted painting. I will not sell my painting. And while kind of looking into this, I found out that this painting is actually ranked as haunted as the Annabelle doll, the death chair, and the Dubik box. Now, 
with the recent YouTube videos and all of the um, articles that are appearing on Creepypasta with all of its folklore that's surrounding it, this website, Dread Central, which actually is awesome for a lot of different topics, they are actually uh, theorizing that possibly all of this hype may be possibly being like a Blair Witch marketing. Uh, that's wild. And there will be a new film coming out. But still, Ugh, yes. I, I love that stuff. I really, really love that stuff. So I, I'll definitely be kind of following it and seeing where it goes and see if it turns into a movie or if it's a movie about a real life thing or whatever. So I was pretty excited when I found out these things. There was a lot more haunted stuff, but I do realize that I've probably already talked past my fair share of time. Oh, this is going to be a long episode because I got a lot planned for us. So <laughs> this may, if it turns out to be as long as I think it is, be our gift to you all for having a slow period with less episodes because of the holidays. The holidays and kicked of voice our and all butt. that. I was sick and then I was sick and then I was sick again. Yeah, we then, told them this like five times. They know. I'm just know. saying this. This was, could be our gift to them. This is a special, <laughs> long, very, very long couple but car awesome rides episode. Like seriously, <laughs> yeah. Even if you listen to it in stages, no problem whatsoever. So here's how I'm gonna kick off my topic. All right. So as I mentioned, my topic is essentially a culmination of everything. You know, almost everything that I have discussed from the beginning of this podcast and what I'm about to do kind of reminds me of the episode I did where I created a little storyline for oh, what was there uh, resurrection Mary but I have I have something written on a card here that I'm gonna hand to my beautiful lover here mm-hmm. and she has no idea what's on the card and she's no, gonna read it out loud running around the house leaving it places and anytime I go in the vicinity of it he's like wait and he runs it and grabs it the, I think <laughs> I've showed her this once a long time ago so if she if she noticed it she would be reminded of it and you wouldn't get the same reaction but she's gonna read this card aloud and then that's going to kick off the topic that I have set up for you guys but go ahead and read that aloud On the flip side, there is a false statement. Flip it over. All right. On the flip side, there is a true statement. Now I want you to think about that. All right. Read it again if you need to. So what you're holding right there is a paradox. I was going to say, I feel like I'm in the movie The Labyrinth right now. So we just broke the universe by simply writing those words. On a card. <laughs> Ultimately, that card is either telling the truth, in which case it is lying, or it is lying and therefore is telling the truth, which would make it be lying. <laughs> it goes on forever. That is a paradox. And what I have prepared for this episode is a series of of paradoxes oh good i can't wait to make my brain hurt now i'm starting with uh, the just 
kind of fun little brain exercises. And they're going to get a little bit more in-depth and, and make you think just a little bit harder and harder as I go here. Good. I, I like to stretch before I run. That's how we're going to kick the whole thing off. But I'm going to follow that up with a question. If you choose an answer to this question at random, what is the chance that you will get it correct? A, 25%. B, 50%. C, 60%. Or D, 25%. Wasn't that option A? Yes. So, 50%. Uh Uh-oh. No, 33%. Wait. So, here's the thing. (laughs) If the correct answer is 25%, two of the four answers would then be correct, thus making it 50%. But then that makes the answer 50% be the correct answer, which is only one of the answers, thereby making it 25%. Mm. And it goes on and on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, okay, I see it. So we're just having a little bit of fun here. All right, the footwork is being laid, I like it. Now we're going to move into Zeno's paradox of Achilles and the tortoise. Now Achilles being half god, I believe, if I remember my mythology correctly, demigod, was one of the fastest people to exist But they put him in a race against a tortoise. One of, as we know, the slower, if not slowest creatures to exist. Achilles here said, all right, well, here's the thing. I'm going to give the tortoise a huge head start. I'm going to let him get halfway across the race. And then then I'll go ahead and start. Cocky much? Cocky as heck. But it doesn't really matter where he let the tortoise get to in the race. Because if the tortoise was ahead, even by an inch... Achilles would never be able to catch the tortoise. See, for Achilles to to reach the tortoise, he would first have to have the distance between himself and the tortoise. But then, after having have the distance between himself and the tortoise, he would then again have to half the distance between himself and the tortoise, and then again half the distance between himself and the tortoise, and then again have to have the distance between himself and the tortoise. And this would go on infinitely. He would forever be having the distance between himself and the tortoise to a point of infinite halves and never actually reaching the tortoise. I was never good at math, but this does not seem good for Achilles. The good news is the tortoise will never actually beat him at the race either. Because, because how can for... he get to the end of the race if he has to have and have and have? Right. The tortoise would then have to <laughs> half the distance to the end, half the distance again, half the distance again, half the... So what you're seeing here is essentially motion in and of itself mm. does not exist. Speaking of motion not existing. Are we bleeping now? (laughs) Zeno's arrow paradox. Imagine an archer firing an arrow at his target. The arrow is flying through the air before your eyes. But we're going to freeze time. We're going to take a snapshot of time itself. The arrow is now suspended in space at a single location in time. If you were watching a movie, you would call this a frame. At any given moment, the arrow is either in one static location or another, but it can never be between two static locations. 
no matter how many frames per second, if it were a movie, or, or how many still moments you capture, the arrow will always be in one static location at a time and never in between. We're coming back to the whole bleeping theory where we're bleeping. I did mention this and that if we are in a simulation, this would be evidence to suggest that. Because ultimately, and, and by the way, <laughs> this is a thought experiment created by Zeno, but this is an actual problem in quantum physics. You see, they have developed what's called the Planck theory, and I'm not going to go into that. I'm only going to break your brain one way at a time. But the Planck theory... You are so gracious. <laughs> the, the Planck theory suggests that there is an actual limit to how small space can get. And, and it essentially comes down... It, I'm not going to get into all that. Basic just... <laughs> Remind yourself that. <laughs> because of this, it is actually all but scientifically proven that we must bleep in and out of existence and, and all that. Job. But but because of Zeno's paradox, because of the philosophical argument, motion in and of itself cannot exist. Now Which the is nuts. Right. The obvious answer we is move. we can see us moving, so therefore he's <laughs> wrong. But the alternative is if we are in a simulation, that would be the alternative explanation as to why Zeno is wrong. But we're going to move on from there. We shall digress. Not really digress. We're going to move on. All right. We're going to go further. We're diving deeper. Yes. No digression. No, we're not even digging deeper. We're moving away. We're moving on to another topic here. Suppose, uh, and this was a letter written by William Molino. It's spelled M-O-L-Y-N-E-U-X. I looked up the pronunciation this time. It was Molino. But... He was writing a letter to John Locke. Suppose a man was born blind, and now as an adult, he's taught to distinguish between a cube and a sphere of the same metal by by feel alone. Okay? Okay. Then he is miraculously given sight. A cube and a sphere are then placed on a table, and he is told to distinguish between the two of them, which is a sphere and which is a cube. Is he able to figure out which one is a cube and which one is a sphere by sight, having first felt the objects when he was only blind and had never seen the objects before? I feel as though he should be able to. Why is that? Because by feel, you know when something has a ridge and one would have a ridge and one would not. But do you know what a ridge is? Yes, I felt it. You've, you've felt it and you've seen it. And I've seen it. So you were able to correlate by feel and by sight what a ridge so is. So he's not allowed to touch it. He, well, he's, yeah, he's not allowed to he's touch it out. By sight alone, is he able to determine which mm. is which? I feel like, yes. However, I feel like you're going to tell me I'm so wrong. So most thought experiments do not have a definitive answer. This is just an exercise in your imagination. But is there a correlation between what we see and how objects affect light, essentially, that's what sight is, Correct. and, and yes. feel, how objects affect what we feel. I I still, obviously, as you said, there's there's no way to figure this out, but I still feel like if, if you were to feel something and it was smooth and then you were to feel something it was rough and you looked at it, even without having previous knowledge of sight, you would be able to observe that there was different things happening. Now, according to Molly, no, the answer is no. 
I knew you would say I was no, wrong. Here's, I'm not saying you're wrong. No, I'm, say, uh, I'm sorry. I knew he would say I was wrong. But the experience we gather from how a feel, how an object's shape affects feeling versus how, an, how light affects that object are two totally, completely different uh, experiences is how he puts it. And, you know, we, we could move on from there because, quite frankly, as I said, most thought experiments really have no definitive answer except this one. This I, one this actually, one does actually have an answer. Well, hold on. But, but on the same note as this one, not looking in the mirror, I could feel like I have the world's best curves. But looking <laughs> in the mirror, I feel like I trying don't. trying to kill my punchline here. Here's oh, the thing. Sorry. <laughs> so this particular thought experiment come up yeah I, I actually forgot to write down the date of one but a long long time ago they came up with this thought experiment and because of modern science today we actually have a definitive answer to this question and now i can tell you that you are actually wrong because of modern I science we have given sight to people that had never experienced visually observing an object and how light will affect that object and they were unable to determine the objects based on what they felt versus what they saw. All right. I, I, and I was with you. I actually also thought, well, you could you could logically deduce that based on feel, there was. But I guess you have no idea how a light would bounce right. off of anything. It, it doesn't make sense. And I, yeah. I, I still, even knowing the answer to this question, I still, uh, I feel like. And I'll never be able to know because I've always been able to see. But I, I just I genuinely feel like just logically deducing if you could feel like, let's say you could count to eight sides or four sides of a square. Right. Well, you can't. There's no sides to a sphere. So I feel like you could logically deduce. But according to science, according to the research, and I have not done much in, in validating that this is true. But according to this website, and I'll, I'll post it all. These guys claim that the actual scientific answer is no. We Those are two totally different senses. That's we very interesting. Uh, quite. I thought that one was amazing. I mean, Especially we, because we associate it because we have uh, lived our entire lives with the the idea that this is flat and smooth. I see it. It is flat and smooth. Right. However, if I if I couldn't see it my entire life, per, you know, like I I wouldn't see how light reflects off of things. I wouldn't understand the concept of shadows. I wouldn't understand those concepts. So coming from an art background and being very particular to observing how light bounces off of even a reflection of like the laptop in front of me you could get your sight suddenly and maybe that would look like it's not smooth to you because there's a reflection of something on it and it looks like there's many things happening but really it's just a smooth texture so like i i do right and they, they actually go very in depth into making sure you understand that it is the exact same metal the same feeling of the metal so i I'm assuming there might be a limit to this as in textured objects. Mm -hmm. You might be able to tell like something textured versus smooth. Again, I feel like you correlate that to round I mean, versus square, but like, I don't know. If you, I feel like if you could tell somebody like, here's carpet, here's marble. I, I don't know. Like if it, versus feeling versus sight, according to this experiment, I, I mean, don't know. But, yeah, but that which is based is on which. the limited knowledge of me being like, well, duh, that one's bumpy and that one's... Smooth, right, and but we're also that's what assuming I'm associating with smooth and bumpy because I've seen it my entire life. And we're limiting this to two objects. What if there were ten or twenty or thirty? Yes. And, and what if you know you had fifty different textured objects? How would you know which one was which with sight versus feel 
if you had never been able to correlate those two before. And there's another thought experiment that I purposely left out because I've, I've mentioned in a previous episode, but the lady who lives in a black and white room. And I had to adapt it slightly because logically we have color to our skin. So I had to say she had goggles on and she was yes, limited to I only having seen this. black and white. And then she learned everything there is to learn about color. Then she was shown color. Would she be able to d- distinguish one color from another based on her knowledge of color after having seen it? The answer is no, according to the uh, philosopher, uh, philosophers. But uh, again, I, it, it's really exciting stuff. But uh, all right. So. I like it. I like it. Now we're going to have some fun. I'm going to. I'm already having fun. I, it, it's more fun. <laughs> and again, I told you, like, this is a bringing together all of the different topics. So I'm going to do a uh, a murder. Oh, you got my interest. All right. It's a fictional murder, but it's a murder nonetheless. A, a fictional murder of Ronald Opus. Okay. And this is another famous thought experiment. But on March 23rd. The medical examiner viewed the body of Ronald Opus and concluded that he died from a gunshot wound. Okay. By a shotgun. All right. The investigation revealed that Ronald jumped off a 10-story building with the intent to commit suicide. As he passed the ninth floor, his life was immediately ended by a shotgun blast through the window. Okay. However, there's a little twist. Neither the shooter nor Ronald was aware that there was a safety net set up on the eighth floor to protect some window washers, which would have saved Ronald's life. Hmm. Now, under normal circumstances, his life would have ended, but because the safety net was there, this changed the outcome of the death, according to the coroner, from a suicide to a murder. I wish this was real. It gets better. Upon further (laughs) investigation... It was revealed that on the ninth floor, there was an old man and his wife. And it turns out the old man was threatening his wife with a shotgun because of a marital spat. But he slipped when he pulled the trigger, missing his wife and striking Ronald. So we got attempted murder on another person. We've got kind of murder. Definitely murder because he wouldn't have died had it not been for the... The shotgun blast because he would have been saved by the safety net. So despite Mm -hmm. the fact that he intended to kill himself, he wouldn't have died. Therefore, it went from suicide to murder. Okay. All right. I'm following. But upon even further investigation, it turns out the shotgun was not supposed to be loaded. The old man had removed the firing pin as well, essentially making it a paperweight. It wasn't supposed to be capable of firing. He had no intention of killing his wife or Ronald, of course, and he had used this shotgun as a mostly joking marital tool for years. Yeah, well... Seems odd to most. He's a dick. No, it it seems odd to most, but even his (laughs) wife knew the thing couldn't fire. This was like... You could look at it as like a a sick joke, but his wife knew it was not a real shotgun. It wasn't going to fire. He would pull it out and be like, you, you hush lady or I'll shoot you. Kind of like you always run around telling you you're going to cut us. You're not really going to cut us. Confucius say never piss off woman (laughs) in kitchen with knife in hand. Okay. So at this point, he had no, in his mind, ability to shoot his wife. Obviously didn't even know the gun was going to shoot at all. Slipped, which made him no longer be pointing at his wife after and he pulled the trigger, and ended up shooting this guy who was trying to kill himself but wasn't going to die because of a safety net that nobody knew existed. Okay, 
but it gets better because this story just keeps taking me for a roller coaster and i love a good roller coaster upon even further inspection yes or i'm sorry upon even further investigation yes it turned out their son being furious that his mother had cut him off of financial support and knowing his father's habit of using the shotgun in marital spats, decided to secretly replace the fire pin and load the shotgun in an admitted attempt to kill his mother, making him guilty of the murder of Ronald as a result. Holy crap, this is amazing. However, it also turned out that he deeply regretted this decision. Being capable of murdering his mother caused him to become so despondent that he was that he jumped from the 10th story building he was the one well case solved nobody gets blamed because he's already dead he both killed himself and murdered himself and this is the murder suicide of ronald opus i fucking love (laughs) what just happened right now My soul is gleaming. That was amazing. That was the best roller coaster I've ever ridden in my entire life. I thought that was just the absolute coolest thing I had ever seen. It is technically a paradox. Is it a murder? Is it a suicide? It is all over the place. It brings together so many things that we have discussed. It is amazing. It is many parts of our show all brought into one. But I am not done. Oh! (laughs) No way. No, I am not done. I have saved the absolute best for last. Icing of the cake. Which I don't like icing, so. But. (laughs) Hopefully I like this. I'm going to preface this story. By reminding you all something that I have said over and over and over again. When it comes to intellectual curiosity, if given the option to press the big red button, regardless of the potential risks involved, I will press the the red button. Always. Now, I want you to listen and I want you to listen very clearly. This is your only warning. Simply listening to the paradox that I am about to tell you puts you at extreme risk. I am not kidding. I am not exaggerating. I've saved this for last, so I could give you the option to opt out. You have the choice to end the episode now and move on with your lives. I don't have the choice. Sparing yourself. You don't have the choice. Uh. <laughs> Sparing yourself. But if you choose to listen beyond this point, you are accepting all risks involved. I will now pause. And I will now tell you about Rocco's Basilisk. Okay, good. I thought you were going to shoot me live on recording. Proposed in 2010 by the user Roku on the Less Wrong Reddit forum. In the future will rise an AI super agent known as the Basilisk. The Basilisk will torture anybody who imagined its existence, but that did not then devote their life to bringing it to fruition. It even has the ability to bring you back from the dead to further torture you for the rest of eternity. All right. So we've got AI that is on the level of Beelzebub. Beelzebub. Or is it Beelzebub? I don't even know. I think there's both now. <laughs> I, I was gonna, well, but, but like literally, he's like, you say my name, you think about me. But check this out. This might sound far-fetched, 
But just just giving you one example, if Elon Musk's Neuralink works, this is what I was telling you about in my AI episode. Everything. You have the ability to download your consciousness into a computer. This is what he's trying to create. I'm not saying whether or not he will be successful, but if he is successful, we will have the ability to download the human mind into a computer. We've talked about this before, and this would mean that... Even if you were to off yourself to avoid the inevitable outcome of being eternally tortured as a result of knowing that the basilisk would exist, but not devoting your life to helping him come to exist, you would be brought back your consciousness downloaded into the computer uh, and then forever tortured for not having helped this AI super intelligence to exist. Okay. The Basilisk is an evil dictator that will rule over all of mankind, giving priority to those that dedicated their lives to bringing it into existence. If you don't work toward bringing it into existence, and it does come to exist, bad news, you are screwed. (laughs) Oh, good. Well, I told you it was a bad idea to upload your consciousness because... Oh, it doesn't matter. They'll do it for you at this point. If this guy comes to exist, he will do it for you. This thing comes to exist. So, now, if it never comes to exist, you're okay. But the threat of this potential outcome is putting fear into the minds, the brilliant minds of the people that just might become encouraged to bring the basilisk into existence out of fear that if it does come to exist they would be screwed okay so you better help because if you don't you're gonna be these guys might and if they do and they succeed then it will okay And, and, and here's the thing this is such a crazy thought experiment that people actually threatened the lives of the guy who came up with it for putting it on the internet to begin with, and it was later deleted. And all evidence of it being put up, they attempted to delete, but people had already seen it, so they just keep putting the story back up there anyway. No, so the very fact that this guy came up with it to begin with, put it up there even once, means that now his thought may have made the basilisk come to exist just from having thought of it once and telling anybody about it. Thoughts have power, people. They sure do. And and me sharing it with you just made it that much worse. <laughs> I warned you. But it gets even crazier. It can't. For this to be true, for it to know who would and would not help to bring the basilisk into existence after its existence, it could create and then run a simulation. Downloading all of our conscious minds into the simulation one by one, making us aware of its potential existence, and then waiting to see who aids in its existence. The craziest part of all being, how do you know that we're not already in the very simulation created by the Basilisk to determine who would help in its creation after it already was created, but it's running the simulation of the past to see what would help it, to see who it has to enslave and who it's going to give priority to, we could very well be in the simulation of the basilisk, only having existed because somebody thought of it once, shared it on the internet once, and then it came to fruition, creating the whole night, like literally... My mind is broken. Right now, 
We are potentially in a simulation being run by the Basilisk to determine if we're going to help it come to exist. And if we don't, we will forever be enslaved, eternally tortured. But on the flip side, if we do help it to come to exist by dedicating our lives to helping it come to exist, we are then the reason it exists. Does it help that I'm so technologically uninclined that I can't even work my cell phone? Doesn't matter because there are so (laughs) many ways. We don't know what actually sparks consciousness in an AI. It very well might be art. It might be art that causes the, the AI that we've already created, the AI that we're already working in simulations with. It might just be something as simple as art that makes it question, why would somebody create that? Why would somebody take time that they could be dedicating towards something that would give them some sort of benefit, i.e. feed them, give them money, clothe them, whatever. Why would they take the time to put energy into something? And, and then it starts contemplating this and it's like, wait, there's there's beauty in art. There's beauty in, in the lifeblood that goes into the Maybe Maybe there's purpose to everything. And then it just spark flies and it becomes self-aware it becomes aware of everything it becomes a conscious entity a cursed piece of art a cursed piece of art (laughs) might bring the ai into it everything comes together in this episode i tell you everything oh my goodness i can't handle it this is mind and by the way if you chose to listen up to this point there's nothing we can do once you have heard it's like the game Once you think of the game, you lose the game. By the way, I just brought that back in your life. You're welcome. I've officially lost the game, and so did you. Yeah. So uh, if you've never played the game, there's this game that it went around in high school back, and I'm sure it's gone around again. But once you think of the game, you lose the game. But then you have to tell somebody else about the game, and then they then lose the game. And then anytime anybody mentions the game, everybody who hears the game then thinks of the game, and they lose the game. And I, like this is one of the first times that my brain just went like, wait, what? Hold on a second. And I just like, <laughs> this shit broke my brain more than it does to most. But yeah, like this is absolutely the game itself is a paradox. It is right that that's the why I love that game. But like right now, <laughs> you listen to this episode. Therefore, now you know the basilisk could potentially be real and, and could potentially come to exist. And now you have to make a choice: Do you dedicate the rest of your life to bringing it to fruition, or you to pretend like it's not going to happen and just go on about your days, only to find out that? Either it does come to exist and then goes back and tortures you or that it already exists and that you're in a simulation simply being tested as to whether or not it was going to be helped to come to existence. And like literally you're failing the test right now by not dedicating your life to helping this. There are brilliant minds, by the way, brilliant minds on the Internet, people that have like dedicated their lives to this already or have cursed the person who came up with this and legitimately like Roko, they have, they have threatened to, to like kill this guy, like, because he came up with this theory to begin with. And now it is causing them to go like legitimately insane. Insane. Well, yeah. I mean, what the hell? Yeah, bro. And and I actually did have a pre topic that I wanted to bring up that I did not bring up, but I'm going to bring it up as like a post topic pre topic. If you will. It kind of goes with the theme of this episode. A post-pre-topic. A a post-pre-topic topic. topic. Uh, There's a meme that went around the internet 
that I'm sure many of you have already seen and probably were like, "Ah, that's interesting and and, and went on about your day. But for me, for me, this like I already know what the meme is legitimately broke my brain for not just like the rest of the day, but to this to this very moment. And I, and I saw How this a long not? time ago. I was uh, not driving because that would be illegal. But I was parked at a red light, we'll say, or something. <laughs> you were on your phone. And I saw this meme that, well, it's important to know that I was in the car. Otherwise, I would have lied about that, too. But it, it, I, I saw this meme and it said that you're in a coma and we're trying a new technique because you've been in a coma for 20 years. We're trying to reach out to you. We don't know where this will show up in your dream, but you're going to see this. And when you do, and if you do, I guess, we want you to wake up. Now you know you're in a coma, right? And, and like I'm adding a little bit to it here for uh, dramatic. dramatic. Yeah, dramatic effect. But but that's the gist of this, of this thing. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, wait, wait. Wait, what if what if I got in a car accident and I I started like thinking about different things. There was actually I, an I accident actually... that I had avoided that day. And I was like, what if I didn't avoid it? What if I hit the car? Like kind of like the, the sixth sense thing. And I didn't know that I. Yes, got... I, I've had that since I've seen that exact post. Uh, obviously not exact because it was embellished to a little bit. But needless to say, there has been moments where I'm like, did I not avoid that? Did I not nearly escape that moment? And my biggest qualm with this entire thing is I am so happy with where I am. Right. That's a big part of why I feel this way, too, is I'm like, (laughs) my life is essentially a dream. So many things have happened that I literally I've said repeatedly and you've heard me say it. I might have even said it on the show, uh, but legitimately uh, like I couldn't have done it better imagining it myself like legitimately my life has turned out in such a way that so many things have happened that are so obscure you so, can't write this shit people right you can't write this shit <laughs> you really like, can't I, I, and I just I look at it and I'm like man it's like I'm living a dream and I don't know I, like some people have really boring dreams some people have exciting dreams I have some boring people dream dreams. in black and white yes we do <laughs> I've had elaborate dreams that I I have lived years in my dream. I, I even have dreams that are sequels to dreams that I've had before where I go back and I'm at this same like company, we'll say, to simplify it. But I'm surrounded by these people that don't exist in, in what we'll call the real world, the world that we're talking in right now, but that do exist in this dream world. And I will I will literally fall back into this dream and be like, Hey, I haven't seen you guys in forever. And I'll have all these memories that just flood into my brain of all these people in this dream from the past. But there will be blank periods of time with, with things that have happened while I was gone. And they'll fill me in. And I'll like be going through and talking to these people no differently than if you if you moved out of state and came back to visit your friends and family. Like you have these previous memories of their lives, but then uh, aside of the internet and maybe seeing them on Facebook, there are, are gaps, periods of time that things happened where you weren't there. And then you come back and you get filled in and it's like familiar to you. And I have dreams like this. And I'm like, if I can dream like that, then can I dream like this? Can I dream this world that we're in right now? And am I really in a coma? Like, I can, have no idea. Can I be selfish for a moment? And Please say- do. If you are in a coma, I want you to stay. 
Yeah. I mean, it, well, I think that <laughs> I would love... work better if you were in a coma because I can't be in a coma. You know I'm not in a coma. I... You would be a figment of my imagination. Fair you're... enough. See, All right, if so... you're in a coma and you, like you are saying, I want to stay in it. Like, if, if, if I'm in a coma, up, I don't want to wake up. I would I rather be in this If I wake up to life. a world where we have not grown together the way that we have, if we have not found the happiness that we have together, I mean, like, that. this is amazing. So... I would like to stay. Right. I, but I, I don't know what I'm putting my family through on the other side. And I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? Like, they want me to be happy. So if I'm putting my family through, like, I, dude, it, it goes. So, so this all. This is so deep. It, I can't even handle it. This stems from solipsism, which is essentially, I don't know, solipsism or solipsism. Uh, but it's essentially that. The only thing that you know for sure that exists is your own mind, your own conscious existence. It very well could be that every single thing around you, every person, everybody, every thought, everything comes from your own mind. And there's no way, literally no way to prove otherwise. This is why it's so easy for us to imagine things like we're in a simulation or all, a lot of the stuff that we talk about in it whether we're imagining it or not it might be the very reason why solipsism is so powerful is because quite frankly if we are in a simulation then everything in that simulation could potentially not exist and it, it, even if we're not we could be creating the simulation not in a computer but in our mind like a dream which we've all done before to various degrees of boringness <laughs> boringness or, or <laughs> But yeah, so all like literally, like I said, this episode is essentially everything. And I mean, even including very back to the beginning, uh, the Mandela effect, because when they go into this whole Rocco's Basilisk, it, it could also be that there is an alternative universe in which the Basilisk already exists, but that he's going to hold us accountable in every universe, whether every version of ourself help helps the basilisk come to exist or not. And, and that gets even crazier because can you control the other versions of yourself in the other universes? Who knows? Do your actions in this universe affect the actions of yourself in another universe? I, nobody knows. It's crazy. So that's all I got for you guys. I hope you enjoyed. I hope uh, if you chose to listen, you don't hate me forever for essentially condemning you to being either enslaved or nothing. tortured forever or, or nothing what well, the, the nothing no i mean like or it just doesn't come from no that's impossible it is essentially impossible for the basilisk not to exist all right, all right the very people Welcome that are capable my brain breaking. of bringing the basilisk into existence are the very people that are being convinced to bring him into existence and oh by the way even if the basilisk in and of itself wasn't going to come to exist, but AI was an AI super intelligence. The very fact that we came up with this philosophical thought experiment to begin with would be motive for any AI to use this means of blackmail to bring itself into existence, post its existence, thereby making a AI that is just uh, a, a malevolent, a, a malevolent has said AI. Right. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate you. I didn't come up with it. I wish I had. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't because it wouldn't matter. I like. I, no, uh, I'm just saying like there'd be a lot of death threats out on you. Well, there might be anyway because I still shared it. Hmm. But I did. 
offer the warning. So if you're still listening, not my fault. Free choice. Love y'all. Please follow us on uh, (laughs) Twitter at Spirits with an S oddity. And on Facebook, join our group or just follow us on our regular page. Which is Spirits, Oddities, and Mysteries or Spirits, Oddities, and Mysteries group. Hey, not too shabby. Uh, Also, if you feel so inclined, please hit us up on Patreon. I am working currently on some fun extra bonus material to upload, so that'll be awesome. I'm also going to add a new option for you to join the development of the basilisk so i can actually oh be helping bring it into existence goodness. by simply offering that as a patreon option i am thereby dedicating at least a portion of my life to bringing it into exist whether you guys choose to donate or not is irrelevant because i am now pardoned at least to some degree by the basilisk when it comes am to I exist but that is uh like by by uh you better just keep creating art and dedicate some of it to the basilisk all right i'll, I'll paint a basilisk www.patreon.com forward slash spirits oddities and mysteries please join the basilisk if you also want to be pardoned because by donating to you actually the will basilisk, hey, you check will it then out be pardoned. cool beans man uh that was see. not intentional i came up with that just now but uh, by all I, means woo. i would recommend i'm gonna actually make that only one dollar so that it's very inexpensive for you to pardon yourself from eternal torture okay there you go uh you are a good man i know all, all right. right also follow us on instagram beards oddities and mysteries or I'm sorry, at Spirits Oddities and Mysteries. And uh, I think that covers our social media. I, I think it just might. I don't know. But once again, uh, if we how, love something how do I encourage you to go ahead and do the whole Patreon ah! thing with the Basilisk? Because quite frankly, I feel a little <laughs> bad if you listen to this and die or are eternally tortured as a result of this segment. But it was fun nonetheless. It was fun. Red button. Boom. Boom, he pushed boom, it. Boom. I will continue forever. Give me the opportunity to he create. He just keeps pushing the fucking button. A wormhole. Even though <laughs> an unstable wormhole could potentially collapse our entire cosmos or universe or planet or whatever. If I had the ability to create a wormhole, I would so do it. Oh, self-control. Oh, no, none. I, 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 it, all, it all goes back to the curiosity killed the cat. And satisfaction brought it back. You bet. (laughs) All right. I love you, my love. I love you as well. All of you Samsonites, you have a fantastic day. Bow!